0: Hello, everybody. We are back with another episode of Calling All Halos. I am Sam Blum, the host of this podcast, alongside my co-host here, Connor Grossman. Hello, Connor.
1: Hello, Sam. How's it going? Oh, it's going. We are On into mid-May. Little we're enough into the season where I feel like we're starting to realize who's who and yeah. who's what and who's not.
0: Yeah, and I think uh I think this is a good time to record uh this podcast in particular because we're gonna discuss kind of we're going to discuss two different topics, kind of split the show in two. One, we're going to kind of recap this last weekend when the Angels playing the uh, the Guardians and the mess that was made the last two nights um, and kind of how they, they blew a couple of games that were definitely winnable and just generally where things stand with this team. And then the second half of the show, we're going to talk about Anthony Rendon. And, uh, you know, I mean, I just think the general tenor of his season, uh, you know, some of the ups and downs that he's had. And, you know, kind of maybe where things go from here with him. So, yeah, well, let's get into it. Um, you know, I think uh, kind of recapping a little bit of what we're going to talk about from just the past couple of days. You know, the Angels, uh, they were, we're going to ex- talk about Josh Naylor is really what we're going to yeah, talk Josh about. Josh Naylor is what happened to the Angels. But in a lot of ways, the Angels kind of put that on themselves, I would say. Uh, in, 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 some, in some way, I would say they put it on themselves. I mean, the bullpen, obviously, is just not getting the job done. I mean, it's it's. You know, it's not like the bullpen is terrible. We've talked about that on this podcast in the past. Uh, You know, some of the numbers might suggest that they're not doing terribly, but at the end of the day, if, if you can't perform when it it matters in these late game situations, it doesn't matter if your ERA is good. It doesn't matter if some of your underlying numbers are good. It's it what matters is winning and losing and. You know, I think when we could talk about after the first couple of weeks, well, that might even out, you know, you might see some more games won and they might not blow so many games. And, you know, listen, we're about a quarter of the way into the season and it's an issue and they're 21 and 20. It's not like the world's falling, you know, the four and a half games out of first place, but it's an issue. And, and, you know, they're losing games that they honestly should be winning and could be winning. And I think when you get down to it at the end of the season, uh, you know, that could come back to bite you especially if you're not already in a position where you're you know you're dominating you don't have a track record of of winning
1: games that matter in september and so yeah it's, it's 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 right now this is an issue totally and i think when i think of you know losing games that you generally feel just as an observer that you know your team should win looking at the standings my eyes go to your record in one run games and right now the angels are seven and nine which you know nothing particularly notable there. But when you look at what happened last year, you know, the angels were 18 and 28 in one run games, which, you know, really isn't that great. And if you flip that around, all of a sudden you're looking at a team that's much more in the, you know, thick of the playoff race. And, you know, when you think of one run games, I think of the bullpen, it seems like so many coin flip games, like one run games come down to who's playing and performing in the late innings. and, that's your relievers, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, and listen, you know, they've had a
0: couple, you know, I think late comebacks that have been, you know been impressive. Uh, they they came back to win against the Cardinals in St. Louis uh, when they were down in the ninth inning. Uh, two nights after that, they came back again in the ninth inning to beat the Rangers when they were down four-one uh, going into the ninth inning, and they won that game uh, in the tenth. And then you know, just the other night, they they were down four three against uh, Cleveland, and they came back to win in the ninth inning. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, there there there's there's some fight in this team, and their offense is fighting. But it's just you're right. Like you look at that one run record, you know, and that's the kind of thing that that if it spirals, it, it's a huge problem. And and those are the kind of games that can end up, uh, you know, building a season. I mean, we've seen that with the Mariners and their whole fun differential, where they were, you know, they had a record <laughs> that would suggest they should probably have a losing season, but here they are you know, on the cusp of the playoffs. So this is, you know, it's it's this is a big this is a big kind of concern for them right now. Uh and it's why they DFA'd Ryan Tapera this morning. Um, you know, this is a guy they got, you know, they owe seven million dollars to this year. Uh he's pitched eight and two thirds innings and they decided that's it. They're done. And you know, I think that, you know, some might call that fearless move. Some might call it kind of a shameless move. I'd lean more to the mm-hmm. latter. Uh but it's uh it's they're making decisions now that I think are are that's the right decision. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, if he's not performing, you can't keep running guys out there who aren't performing. I mean, you have to win games. He's, he wasn't, right. he wasn't helping toward that. It's not like he was playing terribly. I don't think, but uh, you know, he had failed in a certain number of situations and, and just can't rely on him. And if you can't rely on someone,
1: there's no point in having them. there. I mean, on the flip side, are there guys banging down the door that the angels are dying to give a shot to like, do you, was it more about, who could be in the bullpen or was it more about, you know, we need a bullpen that does not have to in it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, that's the kind of reason why I was surprised to be honest with you because I looked yeah. at,
0: and I read this in an article for the, for the athletic earlier this morning. But um, the reason why I was surprised is just that they already lost Jose Quijada and Austin Warren to Tommy John surgery. And I mean, we're, that was in April. So, you know, you have mm-hmm. to plan for the fact that you're going to need a lot of pitchers over the course of a 162 game season. It's just what happens. I mean, the Angels used a, an absolute boatload of players last year. Yeah, you, know, you, you end up over the course of six months. You don't even realize we don't pro- probably know the names of certain players that are going to be on this team in <laughs> in the coming months. Who had heard of right. Chris Oakey? I don't even think most people who are Angels fans even know who Chris Oakey is now. And he's been he's been their catcher. or a catcher on the roster for the last four days i mean he was you know it's just it just goes to show you like you don't know who's going to be there at any point at least somebody this early on after this little bit of a sample size that surprised me to some extent but you know at the end of the day i don't disagree with the move um you know i think that they weren't you know they couldn't rely on him And, and we saw that with the way that they their bullpen played out on saturday i mean they wanted to push andrew lance beyond what i thought he was capable of and, you know, throwing 40 pitches that wasn't going to his he clearly couldn't do it. That's why he allowed mm-hmm. like four or five straight hits and why they were forced to bring him to pair. But, you know, they didn't want to bring him in. I don't think they wanted to get the ball to Estevez in the ninth on Saturday. And it's just they couldn't they couldn't get it that far. So, you know, they didn't have they couldn't rely on him. And, and as a result, I mean, if you're not if you don't have pitchers that you can rely on and you also have to give guys the rest, you're going to end mm-hmm. up overworking pitchers a decent amount or you're going to end up having guys that just kind of fail in situations or get tired or just can't go. And it's just, that's what's happening here.
1: Yeah. I mean, just thinking about it now, to your point about, you know, we don't even know some of the names of guys that are going to be on the team. I know the Giants last year, I believe they set a major league record using somewhere around 64, 65 different players. I mean, that is like almost two and a half full major league rosters worth of players to give you an idea of just... The Angels did. The Angels had 64 players last year. So it's, you know, it was awful. Right. it's just right. An- just to give you an idea of the amount of roster churn that happens in baseball today. And just thinking about it now, like given, you know, the importance of your bullpen and each single reliever and how many innings you need to, or how many innings will be thrown in a major league season, this is a major concession, no matter, you know, how Tapera's performance was to let go of one of those arms in mid May, knowing you have miles and miles to go this season. Um, it's just intriguing. And maybe it's something that'll just be, you know, a footnote in the story of this year's Angels team, but at least in this moment it's pretty intriguing. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't you know there's a lot there's so much to unpack. I and mean, when you lose these games,
0: I mean there's so many things you can kind of go through, like what could have been done differently, or like, you know, whether mm-hmm.
1: decisions made.
0: I mean, it's there's just so many things. And, you know, I've seen a lot of fans just, you know, on on Twitter mostly and in the comments of these articles, they're really mad at Phil Nevin. And, and mm-hmm. I, I honestly I get it because when you lose these close games, I mean, it, it reflects on the manager when you have, when you lead the league in errors with 29, I believe, or at least they were as of a couple of days ago, you know, and they had an, you know Zach Neto had an error today and they, it was a, it would cost them a run and they lost by one run. So I, I I get that 29 errors. I mean, that doesn't look good for the, for the coaching staff. Um, you know, I don't necessarily, I mean, I, I look at the decision today to bring Estevez in, you know, I think it's a defensible decision. I think that you can, put out the reasoning for it and I think hey I mean he's been your best reliever he's been the uh the go-to guy he's the guy you want up in a situation against the best hitters in the lineup Uh, and so I don't you know I don't I don't necessarily have an issue with it I think that you could also make a pretty good case that hey Josh Naylor's got pretty pretty clear splits lefty righty I mean you had could have maybe kept it Sandoval right. one more batter you could I'm not sure exactly the availability of more and I'm not in I wasn't in Cleveland so
1: mm-hmm.
0: these are things that you know I'm kind of where everyone else is to some extent and trying to you know piece together what the decision making was just reading what people are saying um but yeah
1: I don't I necessarily would have can probably, you rec- yeah can you recall an opposing player being so at the center and so pivotal in the span of just three games
0: I mean, not like this. If three go-ahead home runs in the eighth inning. I mean, goodness, uh, that's just. I mean, and this is what he does. This is, I mean, Josh, and that, that, that's why I'm like, I'm looking at this decision making today because on Friday, you know, they made a similar decision to not face Josh Naylor, and they basically moved the the winning run into second base,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, which is kind of what would have happened today for some extent. Um, you know, if they had decided to to, I mean, would have you know basically made it. Uh, move the winning run to third base rather, um, you know, but they decided to pitch to Naylor. And and the reason that Phil gave uh, on Friday not to pitch to him was that, you know, he hits anybody's fastball. He's kind of lived through these moments and, you know, they didn't pitch to him and then they went to Brennan and they struck him out to had Estevez strike him out to end the game. And then today, you know, there wasn't Brennan behind uh, Naylor, but there was, you know, Josh Bell. So I kind of get maybe why you'd want to pitch to, to, to Naylor instead of Bell, but at the same time it's it's the, the same reasoning that you used on friday to not pitch to him didn't necessarily be implement wasn't necessarily implemented again so it was a little bit of an inconsistency in there mm-hmm. and as a result i mean look what happens you end up paying for it and i thought it was a genius move on friday to not pitch to him go after the the worst hitter even though you're putting yourself in a more risky situation and it worked out i mean that's that's that working out and then today it didn't work out and they didn't stick with the same line of thinking um I get it. I mean, these are not exactly the same situation. Right. Uh, I think there's defense. Like I said, pitching to him today is defensible, as much as people online say it wasn't. I disagree with that. I think there is a defense to it. Maybe you don't necessarily 100% agree with it, um, but mm-hmm. you know, I see the reasoning. And it's just it's tough. I mean, when you lose these games, you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's your fault, the manager. Sometimes it's not. And I think there's a lot of gray area. And I think you kind of have to assess over a longer period of time. Like, is is are is the manager making good decisions over the course of a long period of time is he putting players in the best position to win is he kind of listening to the needs of the players there's so many things that go into it and i don't i would not just look at one you know decision making
1: uh you know in-game decision as a you know basis of whether or not somebody's doing a good job or not yeah no but i agree that these are the types of coin flip games that you know in the aggregate allow you to look back in the rear view and you know begin to form an evaluation of a guy like Nevin or just really anyone in a management or coaching position with the Angels. Um, I did want to touch on, I know uh Otani made a pivotal error on the bases in the late innings. Do we need to have a discussion that maybe Shohei Otani's not all he's cracked up to be? Uh I wouldn't I wouldn't, you know, this would be the I'm last Kidding, time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen
0: to this podcast if I say that. No, I don't <laughs> think you know that was it was a mistake. I mean, yeah, he shouldn't, you know, when it's a it's kind of a cardinal rule. He's not
1: right. supposed to make mistakes, right. Not, right? That's kind of what we've been led to believe.
0: Yeah. I mean, he doesn't make many of them and he's pitching tomorrow. We'll see, you know, I'm sure he'll make more than make up for it. It's kind of what he does. He's, you know, every game. I mean, this was kind of funny after the other night. I mean, he allowed three runs in an inning to the Astros Mm -hmm. and pitched seven innings, allowed three runs. And it's like, like, that's a good night. Right. I mean, but he's had a couple, he's had the three straight games where he's kind of put up a crooked number in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the outing and then come back to pitch well and pitch well before Mm -hmm. that. And it's kind of come out of nowhere. And then, you know, I you asked Phil about just like, what, why is that happening? And mm-hmm. he's just like, he's human. And then you realize, yeah, I mean, the guy threw seven innings in and allowed three runs. And like, uh, I think he had a couple of hits, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it's then, and then mm-hmm.
1: we're sitting here being like, man, not a great game for Otani. <laughs> it's <laughs> an unfair standard. It's an unfair bar. Same thing with Mike Trout. You know, it's just human. The human condition allows us to take greatness for granted because you just get used to it. It becomes the expectation. Um, whereas, you know, if almost any other player was doing the things that Otani was doing, that Trout was doing, your eyes would get wide and you'd be like, well, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. But when it happens repeatedly, you, uh, you know, you get used to it. Yeah. And I think on
0: an individual basis
1: these guys will, will
0: mess up and they'll even at times cost your, cost you a game here or there. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's part of baseball and that will happen. I think the reason why they, they're kind of above like, like more like fundamental foundational criticism is because... They're doing everything they can. And I think you you can't look across the entire organization, you know, from the very very top and say, "Man, is is everything being done to win?" I don't necessarily think you can say that's the case. Uh, and so when when you have players that are doing that and that are doing contributing more than their fair share, um, you know, it's just it's unfair to I think put a lot of emphasis on those mistakes because I don't totally. think that they're they're the root of these problems. I mean, yeah, Otani. Who knows what happens if Otani doesn't go to third today? uh you know on a play he shouldn't have gone to third right that's just that is fundamental baseball grounder to the left side you're not as a runner at second you're not supposed to run and he mm-hmm. ran and he got out and then you know they had the time run at first base and not second base with two outs in the ninth inning. Of course that is a fun that is an error, right? I think it's a it's a mental breakdown, but I don't think that when you look at what Otani does if he were to go tomorrow and allow you know 10 runs in the first inning again you maybe that cost his team a game one game but over the course of a whole season he's gonna do way more to help the organization Win than I think anybody else.
1: Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Doesn't even need to be debated. Obviously, I brought it up as a joking point. Yeah. but no. But I think it's a good point.
0: Yeah. I think I think it's worth you know kind of you sure. know why is it that you can't, you know you don't necessarily hammer these guys that much? And I think that's the reason why. Like, it's just they're not you know they're not above criticism, but they're also no. not necessarily there is no point in making any foundational arguments about mistakes that they do make or things that they do they don't do or don't do because. At the end of the day, these are the guys that are you know if you're gonna these are the guys everyone wants to see in the playoffs. So
1: right, right. When you turn it into a math equation, they're giving you a lot more help than they are subtracting. Um, And just taking a step back and looking at the series against the Guardians, I know it's I know we'd be looking way way into the future, but just kind of my personal observation, Cleveland now sits at nineteen and twenty one. The Angels twenty one and twenty. Both teams are probably you know ticketed for you know the fringe of the wild card race and baseball doesn't have tiebreaker games anymore and it's just it seems a little silly to worry about your head-to-head record in the middle of may but it definitely crossed my mind that like hey you know if the angels and guardians are on a collision course at the end of the season um you know maybe that adds a little more heightened importance to these you know seemingly early games here in mid-may that uh especially like a team like the Guardians, where you guys could end up easily with a same or similar record at the end of the year. Um, you know, these aren't ones that you want to give away or losses that you take super lightly.
0: No, I mean, I don't think the Angels can afford to look at any game like they can't they can't afford. To. I mean, listen, obviously, you don't you're not right. going to win every game. But like, you know, the way that you know, th- this is a desperate year for them, and we've talked about that. And I think everybody's kind of acknowledged this is desperation time. I don't care that it's May 14th. You know, if it was April 14th, it'd be the same situation. I think that's why, you know, I see this so much anger after these games. And I get that. Like, I mean, if I was a fan of this team and I've been a fan of a baseball team that has consistently let me down over the course of my entire life. Um, so it's, I get that feeling and I get the, want, you know, the, the, hey, fire this or do that and, and throw something and like, man, cut this right. guy. I think you have to kind of, you, you know, there's there, you have to operate with a desperation but also mindfulness of the course of a whole season and understanding, you know, what is working, what isn't working. How do you, you know, impose like punitive decisions, like cutting Ryan Tepera with, you know, maybe being more patient. Like these are things you're weighing all the time. Um, And, you know, right now, I mean, I don't think the angels are making really bad decisions. I don't think they're panicking. I don't think that they're doing anything necessarily big picture that's wrong, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, this is you're 21 and 20, uh it's you know you're you're sitting in a situation where you're now a quarter of the way through the season it's not necessarily looking like they're you know going to be a a contending playoff team right now as things stand i just don't look at this roster and see that i thought that before the season i don't see that right now that being said it's they can easily turn that around and they could they they can make it happen but it's it's not looking like it right now uh just yeah. with the way that they're playing it's not even the record it's like just you know right. you see certain things and it's like is you know, it just doesn't feel like this is the kind of thing playoff teams will do, but it's still early and they can still make that obviously turn the four and a half games out of the division. I think they're probably a little closer in the wild card situation. But I mean, it's, you know, right. it's they're
1: not they're not in that position right now and they need to play better. They need to play better. Right. I personally hate this comparison, but I'm going to make it anyway because it's a little bit of recency bias. And when you talk about this era of baseball, it's like this was right around the time of year that the 2019 Washington Nationals were, you know, 12 games under 500 Davey Martinez's job was seemingly on the line. The team was, you know, destined for fourth or fifth place. And then they end the year as, you know, champs. So that's the only, uh, that's one way to look at, uh, you know, it's early. The team can still change. The team can transform that being said, um, the 2019 nationals were not something that every team should be resting on as a way to know that they could transform. You know who was on that twenty nineteen Nationals team? Because we're making this perfect segue. <laughs> Anthony Rendon, third baseman for your Los Angeles Angels. Yes,
0: Mister Not Tony fourbags as he very notably made that point to uh, to us earlier this week. Um, you think he was ever known as that? No, he's been. I mean, the whole point is that he's Tony Two Bags, right? But you know, I mean, that's what Not we're talking this year. Yeah, th- you know, listen, Rendon's had a very interesting season. Like, just, just, I don't know how to really describe it because it's like, he's, I, I think the biggest concern with Rendon right now is like, one, it's health, obviously. He's like, there's so many things that are kind of keeping him out, you know, a day here or a day there. And now it looks like there's a chance he could go on the injured list uh, with this groin issue that he's dealing with. Uh, but it seems like it's one thing, it's always something, right? Like, and I don't necessarily put blame on him for health issues, right? Because that's, you know, that's not, you don't control that to some extent. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a pro athlete. Maybe there are things you can control but if he's getting you know if you have a, if you have a groin issue that feels like something that's just kind of happened to you and you know you get a little older and you play a lot and you're coming off of two surgeries and you're playing more than you had the last two years this is probably something that might happen but hey Rendon is is having an odd year he's got one home run uh and finally i mean listen one thing about rendon i'm sorry to kind of want roam off here but like he does not really like to do interviews it's just not his thing mm-hmm. um if he does he doesn't like to talk about himself uh, which I can, you know, I can get, and I can respect. I mean, I, I don't blame people for not necessarily wanting to do interviews. I would, I would also argue that, like, hey, part of you know, it's not about. I think sometimes players and other people look at it as, hey, I'm, I get to talk to the reporter. It's always about who you who the reporter is reporting to, which is the fans. You're accountable to the fans, and I think that's why it's important to to talk from time to time, even if it's not your favorite thing. Which I respect. If it's not your favorite thing, I still respect that. But you know, mm-hmm. he's particularly, you know, he you know he doesn't like doing it. He avoids it. Um, and so we finally kind of <laughs> capitulated on like the third time we had asked the other day, or maybe the second time we had asked on Thursday to talk to him finally, I was like, All right, well, what do you got? And we spoke just like three minutes. Um, and, uh, basically, I mean, one of the questions I asked him was about just kind of his lack of power, because I think it's, it's concerning. I mean, you signed this guy for, you know, seven years and nearly $300 million. I mean, you know, you, you don't want a single sitter and that's kind of what he's become. I mean, he's got one home run. He's got four doubles, and so he kind of sheepishly, and you know, was like, "Well, I'm not Tony Fourbags." And it's like, uh, "Yeah, mm-hmm. and, you know, this he's got a 784 OPS. He's not having a bad year. He's a well above average hitter, even. Right. This. But he's also not hitting for any power. And and you know, it's this is a guy that was you know in his 2019 season had an OPS over a thousand. The year before that, over 900. The year before that, 937. So he's you know he kind of had these three years leading into his free agent season where he was one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, And and like, I just think we look at it right now and he probably still has the same fundamental abilities as a hitter. And that's why he's still Mm -hmm. getting on base quite a bit, but he's not generating any power. And I think that's a concern, especially since he's batting cleanup every day when he
1: is in the lineup. I was just going to say, I was just looking up, you know, where he typically bats in the Angels order. And I almost think of it as like a baseball eras and a baseball card perception. And it's not really a problem, but it's just interesting because like, You know, if you just look at Rendon, you know, he's hitting 300 and you're like, oh, well, that checks out. Anthony Rendon, good baseball player, 300 batting average, good average for a good baseball player. But yeah, when you just take a second to look at the numbers that he has five extra base hits on the season and yeah, his OPS in the high 700s, like that's okay. But, you know, that's not really what a playoff team wants from their cleanup hitter. You know, he's, you know, if you put him on one of the more stacked lineups in baseball, he's a fantastic you know number six hitter or something like that it almost seems like you know he's miscast as a cleanup hitter but the angels don't really have you know another option seemingly to yeah. you know put him anywhere else
0: I mean he's he's had a hundred rbis in his career twice I mean this is a guy that that can really drive in a lot of runs and he's known as Tony two bags because the guy just hit you know he led the league in doubles twice in a row like eighteen and nineteen but he's also been a home run hitter I mean he also had 34 home runs one season, and you know, uh, 25 home runs, I think, two other years. So he's he's right there. I mean, he's a power, he's got power, he's been a power hitter. The biggest mm-hmm. concern is, I mean, you got four years of a guy who maybe just isn't going to be able to do that anymore. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not writing that off, but you know, you're paying him 38 million dollars for each of those years. You know, you want power, I mean, you just and that's why it's a fair question. And then, you know, I asked him again, I mean, I said, no, you're not. Tony two bags you're not Tony four bags but like do you th- and I was gonna like say like but well, do you still think you have power in you like do you still think you can kind of generate you know the same amount of you know power that maybe you had when you were at your back and he just kind of cut me off and was like why do you keep asking about this and it's like okay I'll respect the fact that if you don't want to talk about it and you don't want to necessarily like give perspective to fans then that's up to you but you know it's it, it is you know it's just tough because it's hard for us to really know I mean we're only going to be able to mm-hmm. judge off of what we see on the field, we can't. We're not going to know necessarily what he's dealing with. Like if there's, a, you know, if there's some sort of injury issue that's maybe preventing him, uh, an issue that will become moot at some point if he just gets healthier. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know that, and he's not necessarily going to give those excuses, which I again respect. But you know, at the same time, I, I think that it leads to fair speculation, and you right. know, like, there's other things with him. I mean, he's also, I think, he's leading the league from third from third base in errors. Has uh, definitely struggled with, you know, but fielding grounders and also throwing them. Um, it's just, it feels like, like this is, it's not a complete season. He's not performing at that level that they need him to.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, he signed a seven year deal. There's still a ways to go on it, but That's at least he somewhat, uh, you can't really call him early returns because we're now on one, two, three. He's in the midst of his fourth season with the Angels. But like, this kind of is feeling like an example of like why baseball owners are hesitant to pay based on past performance because Rendon averaged almost 25 homers a year across his you know seven seasons with the Nationals and he hasn't even hit double digits one single season with the Angels um and like you know maybe that's this year but who knows all we're talking about right now is his lack of power so um it. You know, maybe as should be expected, 33-year-old Anthony Rendon does not quite look like 28-year-old Anthony Rendon. And he's going to stick around for a lot longer, and the Angels are going to have to figure out, you know, how he can help them most and where he is positioned. Literally on the field, um, but, you know, also in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, and, you know,
0: the, part of one of the other things with Otani is like he is as good as he is. you I mean, you can't – there are certain guys in this lineup that I think the Angels would love to DH from time to time. Yeah. Mike and Rendon being the two that I'm referring to and and they just, you know, they can at times if they give Otani a day off, but otherwise, I mean, they can't. And it, you know, I, I think that Rendon would probably be better served if, you know, he could, you know, maybe twice or even three times a week not play in the field and and kind of rest and then he could be a better defensive third baseman mm-hmm. and maybe he would just be a generally healthier player um, over the course of a full season. So it's, it, that's just the predicament the angels are in right now. um, And so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's other. It's like I said, it's just been a weird year. I mean, obviously he had that game, four game suspension. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I think that was. You know, he did not handle that well. You know, should not have. Uh, as far as crappy as fans can be, mm-hmm. he can't, can't go and grab somebody. I mean, he. I think he even acknowledged that. I. I you know, but you. It's not. It's not even that. It's like you get suspended. You know, you put yourself. In a, you put yourself in a bad position and then you yeah. put your team in a bad position and the angels have, and, and phil nevin in particular has really tried to sell rendon as this leader and he talks about him as a leader and and i don't know maybe he's a great leader to the young players mm-hmm. and a great mentor and maybe kind of his like apathy is more toward just reporters and i, I think that's probably the case but at the same time i mean I, I don't think leaders put themselves in that position to get suspended like that and you know yeah. I, I get frustration um but at the same time i mean the angels straight up just they need more out of him they need him healthy and they need more mm-hmm. out of him I mean there's just there's no other way to look at it and I think I think fans will acknowledge that and I'm not saying he's having a horrible year I'm not saying he's not contributing that was his point of saying and not you know 24 bags his point was mm-hmm. well I don't need to hit home runs to contribute I can do other things and it's not what I'm known for but you know he needs to be better I think I don't I think if you were to ask him you stick some truth serum in him and he'd probably tell you the
1: same thing pretty bluntly Right. And when you say more specifically, you're talking about more power, more extra base hits. That's what power, the extra base, defense and then just generally yeah. like just
0: accountability and like, you yeah. know, decision-making, like just everything. Like, you know, when you get paid $38 million, it entails everything. You know, you're not getting, you're getting paid 38 million to be a face of the franchise,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Like that's, that's what comes along. You have to do every, I mean, you have to go in the community. That's why I say like talking and, and being accountable to the fans is an important part of it because, you know, when you're getting paid that much, like, like Mike Trout every day, if you need him every game, he'll be available every game to, to, to be accountable for a good win or a bad loss. And that's mm-hmm. part of like, part of that salary is like saying, Hey, like I'm, I'm a face of this team. I have to do the things that are, that kind of go with that. And and he's not doing that stuff. I mean, he's not playing to that level. And I mm-hmm. also just don't feel like, you know, you, every day he comes, like, I don't, I don't, you know, it's just, you don't really know what's going on with him necessarily. And, you know, right. I hope he's healthy and I'm not gonna. I mean, I, they need him healthy. You know, they. Mm -hmm. The Angels need him healthy, they need him productive, and they need him to be what he has been, you know, for the first uh, eight years of his career, really, because he was good his first season with the Angels' shortened season.
1: Right. To touch on something you said a second ago about being a face of the franchise, I agree the contract would indicate he is, but I'm just curious, what's your read, you know, based on going to the ballpark every day and also having a pulse on Angels fans via your Twitter how do angels fans feel about Anthony Rendon on a team where you're watching Otani and Trout as two iconic players in this era of baseball? Like how does Rendon kind of fit into the equation in terms of, you know, like how he's received, like are the ovations as loud as they might be for Otani and Trout? Do you see Rendon jerseys walking around the ballpark? Like where does he stand? in you know, the eyes of angels fans, you think I
0: I think angels fans are protective of him to the extent where they're like, you know, the only people that can criticize him, are us angels fans like that's what i think they kind of see but then they'll take that and then they'll criticize him quite a bit and i see a lot of criticism <laughs> of him uh, yeah it's all justified i mean you know it's right you, you know it's like you want this guy to perform and and sure. I, th- I think he's like every time he has come out and explains his injuries and explains his mindset i think he presents himself quite well as someone who's like you know who's, who's thoughtful who's smart who's got like an introspective Pers- you know idea of kind of where he's coming from and what he's dealing with but when he kind of shuts that off to people i think it, that can really upset fans too because they just don't know like you don't know what someone's dealing with unless you kind of portray it and maybe he doesn't care and maybe that's just not his prerogative and, and that's his you know that's his decision um but it is you know it's just yeah i mean i think that angels fans are are they want more out of him and and sure
1: you know it's and they should yeah. want more out of the whole team right now
0: yeah I mean, you know, it's like I, I think that's when you ask, like the, we talked about Otani and Trout and like I think that like, listen, if Mike Trout were to go for his next 25, I don't think you're going to see. You might see some people upset and people noticing it or people but, like I don't think that there is like there's going to be fundamental vitriol or anger toward him because he's Mike Trout and because of what he's done and because, you know, when he signed that long term extension to be the face of the franchise like he took that on, I think, Um mm-hmm. You know, we we did a podcast before about the things like with Mike and you know how he you know, how he kind of handles the losing and what it might mean and all that. But um, you know, with Rendon, it's like I uh, you know, I don't think people look at him in the same way that they look at, you know, Trout or, you know, they don't look at him in the same way that they look at Otani and and these guys that really are the face of the team. I think he's and that's part of that's just availability. Um, I think fans love the fact that he kind of came out and fought Jesse Winker that day in the brawl last year. Like there's certain things that have endeared him quite a bit. And then there's certain things. Sure. That...
1: sure. Hey, there's a lot of book still to write this season.
0: Yeah. And there's, and there's a lot of books still to write with Rendon. I mean, I, you know, I, I think obviously you sign a guy like that for seven years, your expectation is, Hey, those first four years are probably going to be good. And then, you know, you're paying for the last three years, but you know, you're paying for the last three years because you had, you had the benefit of, his best and his prime and 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 the downside is listen we're in that fourth season and mm-hmm. it hasn't happened that prime hasn't happened injuries have derailed it and and now you're gonna probably have him at the tail end of his you know best playing years uh mm-hmm. if not past it uh which we're kind of i think we're kind of seeing maybe what it looks like past it um so it's just it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that you know how it plays out over the next few years with him if he's if he's going to kind of rise to the occasion and and, you know, be a really good player, or if he's going to kind of, you know, just go back and forth between being injured and unproductive. And, you know, it's just, it's, I don't know, you know, it's, it all ties into why the angels are just not doing what they think need to be doing in order to, uh to be a playoff team right now. And, um, you know, like I said, I, they can, they can get there. They can be a playoff team. They can be really good. They could be anything, right? There's no, I don't think there's any reason why they can't have a anything playoff.
1: is possible. Yes.
0: I mean, work you know as uh kevin garnett would say but um you know as the celtics just win game seven today so yeah but at the same time i think anything's possible like you said i think that the sky's the limit with this franchise if they can just you know they can kind of work in spite of i think some of the issues with ownership and have a really good year and do really well and then i think they could also you know we can go down that same path that you know happened last year and things kind of derail quickly and it's it's this is a real inflection point these next few weeks, I think. Can't wait to see how it all unfolds, and we'll be right here to talk about it. We'll be right here to talk about it, but uh, for now, that'll be it for today. And uh, you know, we uh, we appreciate you listening, and we hope that you come back and keep listening.
1: And uh, if you would just- like you to like and subscribe too, I don't know if Sam was gonna touch on that, but we I appreciate all, all of the liking and subscribing, and uh, not only to the podcast, but to the athletic as well, so you can read all of sam's coverage
0: yes yeah please come and subscribe to the athletic and subscribe to our podcast and please give it five stars don't give it one. if you saw somebody give it one star a week ago and i was like come on don't give him one star if you don't like it hey, rate, right. rate us how you feel no no i totally disagree <laughs> i agree with connor if you, if you hate it please please let me know Stay how it, is.
1: Stay how it, it is. is.
0: yeah yeah of course tell it tell it how it is that's what we do here so thanks again for listening and we're back soon